This is Amateur Logic, episode 96 for October 15th, 2016. This episode of Amateur Logic was brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com, and by ICOM. Enjoy the competition. Contest season is here. Time to hit the airwaves. Hi, welcome to Amateur Logic, episode 96. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Peter. And I'm Emil. And we've got a, a full show lined up as usual tonight. We, uh, we're we celebrating a little something special, aren't we, Tommy? Yeah, we are. This is our 11th year of, being, uh, of doing the show. And uh, again, I say it every year, but time sure has flown, and uh, it's been a great year, and I uh, grade 11 years. I hope we have at least 11 more. Yep. Yeah, me too. It has, And it's been pretty quick 11 years too. But Peter, how many years have you been with us now? I'll just deduct two from the total, so that'd be nine. Nine. Wow. That's that's a wow. pretty long time too. And Emil, mm-hmm. you sure. are, uh, you've been back with us, um, I think it's it's almost a year now, isn't it? Yeah, I've been watching though as long as uh, uh, Peter is mentioning. I, if I remember right, it was a couple of years past Katrina where I started watching the show. Yeah, and you were actually on a few episodes uh, uh, two or three years back, too. Yep, and in and out. So Enjoying we, it. We've had some cheapness all along. And, that, and that's a good thing. <laughs> and, and we shouldn't forget uh, Mike, who's been on one or two episodes as well. Oh, yeah. Mike, um, the E3MIC, uh, we Boy, I hate to even start mentioning other folks because we've had Dan and not LVS. We've had a lot yeah, of folks. Yeah, can't forget here. Jimmy the Torch Burrell. Oh yeah, can't forget Jimmy. <laughs> oh yes, he was in. Actually, uh, isn't it? Isn't it Jimmy's birthday today? It I is. Think it is. Oh, and happy, happy birthday, birthday Jimmy. Jimmy! Yeah, happy birthday, Jim! Happy birthday! You know, we we had Jim with us for the tenth anniversary uh, that we shot last October. Uh, didn't. Uh, twist his arm and get him to come back this year because we're not doing a a best of uh, segment this time around Uh, we just did that last year so we've shown all the good stuff within the last 12 months well not all the good stuff but a lot of it so we thought tonight we'd uh, do um, you know normal segments like we always do but of course we're going to give away this IC7300 from ICOM along with uh Nice little switching power supply that you can see if I pull back a little bit here. Maybe. Uh, there you go. There you go. 40 meter off center fed dipole from MFJ and RG8X coax from them as well. And some of our private stock faux gold PL259s. Tommy didn't want to give these up, but uh, 
you know, we we still got a bag of them down there, so we yeah. figured. What and uh, like like I said, if you win them, you don't you don't have to put them on the coax, but it would be expected for you to at least wear them out in public at least one time. <laughs> We're not saying where though. <laughs> so you'll you'll have to use your own better judgment on that. Well, uh, we got a lot going on tonight, Tommy. What what type of segment have you got for us this time? coming up well i i've uh, decided to participate as long as i've been playing around with d-star i decided to play around with the d-star cuso party this year and uh i had a few uh challenges to do it but i, I had a good time but uh, anyway that's that's pretty much my adventure for the month okay and peter what are you going to be showing us this time i my vintage radio and some of the learnings about buying vintage radios some learnings that sounds like um Hmm. That that could be important to know. Uh, email. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um, I am continuing down my network uh, networking avenues uh, that I mentioned a few episodes ago, and I have uh, some packet over packet over packet over packet segment <laughs> information. So the way that it was spelled out, it was not poop. It was. Uh, no, it wasn't oh. poop. It was okay. uh, one of the OP, like VoIP or other OP. Okay. <laughs> Not poop. Okay. Uh, and, and you are looking pretty sharp tonight, by the way, Emil. Yeah. I don't think you, you ever that? look better. You saw that? I am officially, I think, now a part of the best-dressed ham club. You are. You are? Boy, give that man a gold PL259. Woohoo! You got yours on, too, Peter? I can't yes, see. Yes, I have indeed. Oh, there oh, you go. Yeah, yeah. I'm the only one that's not representing. Shame on me. Yep. Shame <laughs> on you. As a matter of fact, you should just take that shirt off and get you a Sharpie. And just... Just write it, <laughs> just write write it there. It. Yeah. Just write it out. Yeah. It'd be like on the basketball team in high school, shirts and skins. I don't really think we want to go there. No. <laughs> well, I don't know if y'all did that. We Back in our school, we did. That's how they divided up teams. Well, we've, I've got something tonight uh, using an Arduino. I haven't done an Arduino project lately, and it was time, and I've, I've got a fun little one here that we're going to take a look at. Right now, though, let's, um, let's get into the few of the emails tonight. I got an email from George, AC6RB, and um, he said, uh, Thank you for the Pico Balloons with the WB8ELK. Uh, he just set up a web page for Bill, so if uh, you guys want to get a Pico balloon, you can get it now. This is where you can uh, can go right here. Uh, he tells a little bit about it. You can, yes, uh, and I should I should mention George uh, and for everybody that uh, I've actually ordered mine. Um, I decided that this is the quickest and simplest way to put a, a Pico balloon in the air. And uh, they weigh next to nothing, so uh, perfect. So uh, I've ordered mine and hope to fly that in the next month or so. That'll be nice. And and I saw your email earlier and where you said you did. Yeah, that makes good sense because um, we it's already there. We know it works. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a a, you know a really expensive balloon and um, and helium for it. So. It's a good way to get it up and going quick, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. There's a few little extra little tips that I've actually gathered uh, since I made 
uh, my ballooning episode some years ago, a while ago actually, but uh, and that actually concerns the uh, the amount of extra weight and the degree to you the degree to which you fill up the balloon. And these things are important because you put too much helium into the balloon, uh, it'll explode when it gets up in the air. So uh, uh, when I actually get to fly, I'll go through all those tips. Yeah. Yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, I am too. I mean, we've we've seen the board now, you know, in a recent episode, so it'll be good to see uh, one of us flying one. And, mm-hmm. you know, we'll try to catch it when it comes over the U.S. That'll be cool. <laughs> yes, on, well, only, uh, on the air, Peter, not by hand. Right, right. Well, yeah. I, don't, I, I don't know <laughs> if you've noticed, though, that some of these balloons actually go around the world several times. Yeah. But... If they're launched in the southern hemisphere, they stay in the southern hemisphere and likewise in the northern hemisphere. So I expect if it mine keeps going, it'll go over South America and then come around through uh, South Africa and then back to Australia. Oh, wow. Well, when you launch it, give it a good push north. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you never know. Yeah. Well, Tommy, you've got an email here from uh, one of our friends. Yeah, I do. It's actually a blog post that I uh, saw posted on Twitter about it. And it's from our friend Arnie, K5ARN. I think Arnie's in the chat room tonight, too. But anyway, he says, uh, congratulations, Amateur Logic TV, on your 11th year anniversary. said, after retirement, he's looking for a hobby. Uh, Twit TV and Ham Nation gave him inspiration to try ham radio. Technician and general license exams were passed in March of 2012. He'd never seen ham radio. He was shocked by all the knobs and buttons and transceivers. Um, he goes on to say he still had no Elmers, though. So he found friends from Jackson and Australia, George, Tommy, Jim, and Peter. They became my online Elmers. I downloaded all the episodes that uh, at that time were somewhat less than 50 episodes. So he's been on with us for a good while. Um, anyway, he went on a 16-day cruise, and he watched all the episodes. So. Um, anyway, some of them he watched twice. I couldn't imagine spending my cruise uh, watching us, but uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, accept my warmest congratulations to Amateur Logic. Thanks, thanks for your dedicated effort to promote amateur radio, support the amateur radio community for eleven years and counting. Seventy-three uh, K five ARN. Appreciate that, Arnie. Uh, it's been, uh, like I said earlier, it's been a great eleven years, and uh, we've met a lot of great friends like yourself. Always look forward to seeing you. Uh, at the ham fest and everything and really appreciate the kind post yeah we appreciate it arnie uh by the way we didn't have the link on that picture because i grabbed it just before showtime here where can they read that blog oh they can get it at uh it's a very unique uh url hamseatingchicken.com hamseatingchicken.com <laughs> And I'll have to get the story from Arnie sometime on how he came up with that. Oh, I think I know. I just figured it out. It's not Ham's sitting chicken. It's Ham's eating chicken. Ham's eating chicken. Ah, <laughs> there you go. How, how could I miss that? I don't know. <laughs> Ham's eating chicken.com. That's, that's good. Yeah, that works. Boy, uh, I'm glad we figured that one out because I was really starting to wonder, you know, was it a Swedish thing or something? Did <laughs> did did we somehow miss it? But no, ham's eating chicken. Yeah. Boy, I butchered that whole puzzle up. <laughs> well, Peter, uh, give us a little intro into your segment tonight. 
Yes. Well, look, um, what one of the things that got me interested in radio was a lovely old radio that my grandparents owned. And you, like me, may have thought about actually going out and buying one of these radios. Well, I did, and I had a few learnings from the experience, and so that's why I prepared this segment. Hello, and welcome once again. As you probably have gathered from my collection of shortwave receivers, I'm a big fan of shortwave radio and the HF spectrum. The reason for this is that when I went to my grandparents' place as a child, they had a lovely old shortwave radio. It stood on the floor and was about four foot high, with the dial and the knobs on the top. By then, I already owned a small crystal set, so I knew how to hook up a piece of wire and receive some stations on the shortwave band. It tuned from about 3 megacycles up to about 12 megacycles. The reason that the frequency was measured in cycles and not Hertz was because in those days, Hertz was a car rental company. I really enjoyed tuning around listening to the stations, such as uh, the Chinese and other stations in foreign languages. But I also really enjoyed the Art Deco look of the radio and the deep bassy sound that it produced. Sadly, the radio fell into a state of disrepair and when I was offered it after my grandmother passed away, prior to the introduction of the internet, I thought it irreparable and let it go to the tip. So, some years later, I thought I'd buy a radio with the same look and feel of my grandparents' old radio and I bought this old radio on eBay. I found a seller on eBay in New Zealand who was selling old antique radios at relatively inexpensive prices and had this one shipped to Australia. If you look at the dial, you'll see that it covers from about 530 kilocycles to 1600 kilocycles and also from 6 megacycles to 18 megacycles. The short wave allocations of the time are marked on the dial. For example, the 31 and 49 meter band allocations, but it doesn't feature some of the new allocations such as the 22 meter band, which can also be found around 13 megacycles. You will also see local New Zealand radio stations such as 2YA and 1YB marked on the radio. So when I plugged in my radio and turned it on for the first time, I was surprised to hear nothing other than the occasional burst of static. I had hooked up an antenna and I could just hear one or two stations on the medium wave band. Now at this point, one might be tempted to go and poke around the inside of the circuitry at the back. My advice is that unless you've been properly trained in servicing such old valve radios, don't go poking around in the back, especially if you have the power plugged in. There are very high voltages and currents in the circuitry and you could injure or kill yourself. However, I've unplugged my radio from the power and we're now going to have a peek to see what condition the old radio is in. As you can see, this is a six valve radio. The transformers appear to be in good condition for their age and it's clear that someone has replaced the speaker at some point and probably done some repair work to the case as well. You can also see the antenna and ground connections at the back. Most of the circuitry is underneath this metal plate and it's a real rabbit warren of old large capacitors and resistors. I took the radio to a local radio repair shop and had some basic repair work done on it to get it to running order. 
to fully restore it would be prohibitively expensive, but at least I can now receive a few stations. I'm now going to give you a, a demo of the radio. Now I've had this running for a few minutes, so it should fire up relatively quickly. But when I first turned it on, it took over 30 seconds before the valves heated up and I could actually hear the radio. Now we turn it on and I've got it, uh, let's see, it's on um, AM now. And any second now, I should be start. See, there we go. Yeah. Now there's a local AM radio station. As you can, as you can hear the uh, the volume uh, dial here is a little bit touchy and not making a, a perfectly clean connection. But um, that's perfectly acceptable sound. Now the other thing is the short wave band. So we'll flick over to the short wave band and I've hooked it up to my vertical antenna outside which is not an optimum antenna setup. Uh, ideally you would use something like a preamplifier plus uh, an antenna tuning unit but uh, we should be able to receive some stations with this setup. Now the selectivity is quite good. That is the separation between stations. They don't bleed over into each other. That's good. Now, this knob, I'm not quite sure what it is. It could be a tone knob. It could be a selectivity knob. Not quite sure, but... But it does seem to add a little bit of treble if you turn it fully anti-clockwise. It's possibly a selectivity tuner. Not quite sure. But anyway, that's the radio. Um, it's now in a reasonable working order and uh, it's quite pleasant to listen to. So what have been my learnings about these old radios? First, they're a beautiful piece of furniture and evoke a time when radio was the only way a migrant to Australia could keep in touch with news of the place or country they had migrated from. Next, if you do want to buy an old radio like this, I'd suggest finding a store that has fully restored not only the exterior of the radio, but also restored the electronics. I think you'll find that buying a fully restored radio will work out cheaper than buying an unrestored one and having a repair shop work on it. Another piece of advice would be to try and buy a radio that comes with a circuit diagram, or that you can find a circuit diagram for, because that will make repair of such a radio much easier and probably cheaper. And finally, if possible, look at the radio before you buy and have a listen on each of the bands to get an idea as to whether the sound and feel of the radio suits you. That's a good lesson there. You know, I, I would not have thought about those things, and I, I see you thought of them for us. <laughs> oh, well, it's more the, what came out of my experience that, that, uh, yeah. that gave the lessons. <laughs> But that's the way you learn these things. I will say, VEC Mike, uh, V3MIC Mike asks, is it that everyone says they like the warm, mellow sound of a tube amp simply because it lacks treble? Um, I don't think so. I, I can't put my finger on what it is, but there's a certain warmth that you get out of the sound of a tube amp um, that uh, you know I don't often hear in um, uh, transistor uh, radios and the like. Don't know why, but uh, it just seems, um, as I say, a very warm sound that you get. 
George, I'll, I'll add something to that one. I bet you, you and I, as uh, musicians, might have some uh, experience in the analog tube amplifier uh, side of the world. There's the same thing existing there, whether it's guitar or any audio. It's, there's something different about it. Uh, I think actually it's the imperfections in the tube amplifier circuitry. Um, you know, there's more harmonics and stuff that are uh, being generated just inside the tube itself and i think that's well that's generally what they say is happening that and uh, you know if you saturate the tube then you're you're changing the characteristics of the, the dynamics a little bit but uh, i think probably what you notice most peter is those older radios had a much wider bandwidth to them than the newer ones you know is as the bands have gotten more crowded, I'm talking about the AM radio band now, um, more stations are, are in there closer together. Interference is worse, so the manufacturers have narrowed the bandwidth of radios substantially over the years. The real old ones really sound a lot better. There, there's a lot better bandwidth there. Um, so, so really, AM radio does not sound as bad as you really hear it on a... Uh, a more recent well, vintage radio. Well, I'll tell you something. Something I love doing with various different radios, the ones with the widest bandwidths, obviously, is listening around on our AM radio uh, stations here in Melbourne. And the amount of bandwidth that's being transmitted actually varies from station to station. Unfortunately, we have enough space uh, not so many stations here that, um, you know, the stations don't interfere with each other. And so some stations you can actually receive, they'll have up to, say, 10 kilohertz bandwidth, even though they're probably legally not supposed to. And I can tell you the sound when you've got a nice wideband radio listening to that sounds terrific. Yeah, the the bandwidth of the radio makes all the difference in the world. You know, I use my HF rig for listening to AM with a lot. And... Uh, it's far superior to the, the AM uh, receivers like in my car. But back in the 70s, 60s and 70s modeled uh, AM car radios sounded really good. Mm, yeah. Oh, well, maybe we should move back to tubes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or, or, or more bandwidth and less interference. You know, you know, in the RF end too, George. I mean, I've always heard those sayings when talking to the people on uh, some of the HF bands. You know, nothing talks like glass, right? Yeah, you know, I I hear that, but um, well, <laughs> let me just say, I work on high power transmitters, and I've got some with glass and and uh, some that are solid state. You really, you really don't hear the difference, you know. <laughs> But it's it's nice the warm glow you know it, it's re- particularly good in the winter. Well, Peter, you've got uh, is it an email for us there or a Facebook post? What have you got to talk well, I'm, about? Tonight? I've got two Facebook posts to go through today. The first one is actually quite interesting. Uh, well, both of them are interesting, uh, but uh, the first one. It's from Joe, and Joe posted to Facebook. He said, I've got an old C-band spin metal or spun metal satellite dish out back. It's uh, it's an eight-foot dish. Uh, We use some uh, great high-gain and power access points slash stations at work. I've got a couple of them here. 
are thinking about mounting one of the, one in the focal point and panning the dish around. I wonder how much gain I will get. Well, that's a very interesting question, Joe. First of all, the, uh, there's a couple of factors that will affect the amount of gain that a dish actually gets. Uh, the main one is frequency, okay? So the gain you get on, say, KU band will be quite different to the gain you get on C band. And you're proposing, I think here, probably 2.4 uh, megahertz uh, as uh, so you probably even get less gain than say KU or uh, uh, or C band. Um, so uh, I did I looked around on the internet. Uh, figures I came across were, and it will vary according to the quality of the dish. Uh, C band would be thirty a uh, thirty eight dB KU forty six, and so I estimate that the two point four gigahertz band would be about thirty dB. Uh, having said that, um, I would say that's just the gain of the dish. Now, of course, you've got the LNB, which can amplify further. But the problem with that is that uh, when, you're amp uh, when you've got LNB amplifying uh, what the dish has received, you're amplifying both the signal and the noise. So you don't get an improvement in the signal-to-noise ratio. Well, Emil, you've got uh, – this comes from the other community. What, what were you going to talk about? Um, well, if, you, if you're following us on uh, Google+, Plus, which is where I frequent, um, uh, our buddy VE3MIC, Mike Marneau, um, wrote about or brought up uh, the FCC's approval of a company uh, called Energis. hope I'm saying that right. Energis Corporation, um, they got approval from the FCC to actually uh, have a device that gets charge uh, power from RF itself. Now, he, he wrote, that's not to be confused, you know, with uh, wireless induction charging, you know, where you place your device on top of a coil or something like that. But this is actually getting its power from RF. And I went and looked up those FCC uh, documents and approvals from this company, and it, and it looks like their permit is in the 2.4 gig and 5 gig band. So it's going to be interesting to see what they're doing device-wise. Yeah, so are, are they trying to transmit power or are they trying to uh still 2.4 and 5 gigs that just happens to be floating around out there you know I, i'm i'm unsure exactly what they're doing but you, i can remember a quote from uh tesla where he pretty much said you know his one of his visions was uh i forget the quote exactly or many generations will pass and man will be able to obtain power from any point in the universe i mean that's one of the most fundamental things he was working on right getting power through the air to yeah. all these whether it was signal or power you know i think he was actually looking at power <laughs> yeah the reason i said that is because nothing is free you know when right. when you're talking about power so if they're going to use these devices to pick up 2.4 gigahertz signals and produce electricity with it you're going to lose a little bit of signal on your Wi-Fi router, <laughs> you know, because... <laughs> you probably... Yeah, yeah, you know, it's not free. They had similar situations happen on some 50-kilowatt uh, broadcast stations, AM stations, where uh, people located real near the transmitter site. Uh, I think they found one in a barn. Someone had put some big inductors and such in it and were actually sucking out power out of the air you know getting a little electricity uh yeah. from that and it was creating a null in that direction for the station they got 
they got busted. Nice. So uh, yep. that'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't think there's know. a couple of revolutions going on, whether it's power or actual uh, signals out to the last mile, you know, Internet providing. Uh, the, both of those are kind of uh, in flux right now. Everybody's competing. Yep. Yep. Well, we're going to be back in uh, in just a minute here. First, let's get a message from MFJ Enterprises. With radio gear, it's often important to test your transmitter or linear amplifier into a dummy load. You may need to tune an amplifier on a desired frequency without disturbing others. Maybe you need to verify your transmitter is performing normally or rule out antenna problems. Dummy loads play an invaluable role in a variety of operating and troubleshooting situations. No one offers hams more options in versatile dummy loads than MFJ. Here's just four popular models of the more than one dozen choices available. The economical MFJ-260C is an air-cooled 300-watt load that covers 160 meters through 650 MHz. It's available with either SO239 or Type-N connector. The powerful MFJ-250 VersaLoad is one of the most popular dummy loads ever created for legal limit operation. The one-gallon Cantina-style load has long been a favorite of many because of its high power handling, compact size, and low cost. The MFJ-263 covers DC to 3 GHz with a heavy-duty air-cooled heatsink design. It handles up to 300 watts and has an incredibly low and flat SWR curve across the entire spectrum. The MFJ-267 is two pieces of valuable test equipment in one package. It's a dummy load and SWR wattmeter with a range of DC to 60 MHz and power handling up to 1500 watts. The Precision True Peak Reading Wattmeter not only gives you more accurate measurement of peak transmitter power and easy-to-use SWR cross-needles, it can be switched between either the built-in load or your antenna system. Check out MFJ's complete line of dummy loads. There's one that's perfect for you. MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com. I've been using MFJ's dummy loads a lot longer than I've been a ham. I bought uh, one of their little loads uh, to use the radio station for uh, working on... uh, our remote pickup transmitters and such, you know, a little, uh, well, what you'd use to get a signal from a remote broadcast back to the studios, little 40-watt FM transmitters picked up. And that was my first MFJ product is I bought one of their little 300-watt loads to, to use with that. Well, Tommy, you've, you're going to talk about what tonight? Well, I did my segment on the D-Star QSO party. It was actually in September. It's a little bit late, but uh, I decided I'd try my hand at it. And uh, first time, as many years as I've done D-Star, it's my first time to try it out. And uh, it didn't, while it was fun, I had a few challenges. So I went ahead and went through with it anyways. But uh, anyway, you'll see what I'm talking about. Okay. Today's a big day for us D-Star fans. It's the annual... Uh, ICOM's D-Star QSO party. Uh, ICOM puts it on. They give away uh, some pretty cool prizes for it. This year I hope to win the ID-51A Plus 2, the one that's just released. Hasn't even hit the store shelves yet, so I want to be one of the first ones to get that. So today I'm going to use my Blue Stack 
micro and my DV Mega uh, that we set up last month. It's inside my little 3D printed box I made for it. You can see it's already paired up and the light's blinking. And I'm going to use it with my uh, Blue Spot software on my tablet, like you saw as well. And I've already got it set up. I'm going to use the, the ID51 today because it's going to be a little easier just to kind of show you with, uh, with all this stuff here in the same shot. Um, so let's get started. Let's go ahead and look at the rules. Um, the, it runs from September the 23rd at 00 UTC through the 25th at 2400 UTC. Well, I'm a little bit late getting started, which uh, that's okay. Um, it's Saturday morning on the 24th right now, and it's about uh, almost 10 o'clock my local time, so I've still got some time to get in. To, to get into the drawing, you need to get at least uh, 10 QSOs on a repeater uh, in, the, in your country. Uh, you, that gives you one drawing point. There's a few rules on here that show uh, how you can get more points. You can get up to four. I guess that gets your name in the drawing four times. Um, to be entered in, you need to submit your log um, via email or fax. Uh, you can do an Excel sheet that they provide that you can download, or you can get a PDF and print it out and do a handwritten log, which uh, I don't really care to do that. But you can, you can get your log right here. There's a log sheet to save time. I went ahead and downloaded the log, and I've got it set up here. So uh, I have it running in numbers, and I went ahead and put my call sign on here, and I'm ready to go. So I hope to get at least my 10 so I can get my name into the drawing, but I want a lot more than that. So let's see what we can do. Uh, oh, yeah, to, to submit the log, uh, there's an email address here. And it's on the rules page. If you scroll down, you can see there's an email address right there. And just email your log there. You can um, fax it. There's a number to fax to. Or you can email it to that. Uh, either way, it's, uh, get you get you in there. Let's talk about the exchange for just a minute. The exchange is pretty easy. Um, when you get on, you make your call. Uh, you know, CQ, D-Star 2016, QSO party, and the station comes back to you. The exchange is basically uh, your call sign, signal report, and uh, the year that you got started in D-Star, which is 2012 for me. Uh, I actually had to go back and look that up. I couldn't remember. Um, so anyway, it's been a fun four years, and I hope to have a lot more of it with it. Uh, you would think the exchange is... Or the uh, signal report is a little bit funny since it's all digital and there's not really an S meter. But there is a, a, a copy quality involved in it. So everybody's not going to be a 5.9 because some people are not into the repeater very clean and everything. So you may get something other than 5.9, but I, I suspect most of them will probably be. But to be honest with you, even, even when you're on... Uh, HF and you get a, a signal report, uh, probably 99% of them are 5.9 whether they are or not. So, so I'm going to just try on a reflector first. I'll try 30 Charlie, although I suspect it's pretty crowded. So I went ahead and got my Blue, Blue Spot software. Again, it's all paired up to my Bluetooth on my uh, BlueStack micro board and my DV Mega. I'm just powered off of the battery. Oh, incidentally, just to add another little challenge to it, uh, Comcast decided uh, 
the, my internet's broken around here right now and it's supposed to come out later today and fix it but in the meanwhile I'm using the hotspot on my cell phone so we'll see how that pairs, pans out but I've already got all that stuff set up now so let's connect to 30 Charlie Charlie. CQ 2016 D Star QSO party. This is November 5, Zulu November Oscar. Well, is it working? Uh, w, you say W4HH? This is uh, Tommy in 5 zno Good morning. Uh, no, yeah, you were breaking up on me that time. CQ 2016 D-Star QSO party. Delta Lima to Foxtrot Delta Lima. This is uh, Tommy, Tango Oscar, Mike, Mike Yankee. You're 5'9", uh, USA, and my report is challenges with the internet connection from my phone uh, apparently Verizon's having some issues too I'm having some problems here but I was able to make one contact and uh, that was my first one so I'm gonna uh, get my internet fixed the guy should be here anytime now and then I'm gonna get back on and try to finish out my log so I get my name entered into that contest I'd be curious to hear from some of you guys that participated this year how many contacts did you get and uh, how many countries Anyway, 73, we'll catch you next time. Looks like you probably didn't win the radio. I, I didn't even get my 10 contacts, man. Uh, Comcast uh, didn't show up until like late Sunday afternoon, and I was having trouble. That, that, I use that hotspot on that phone all the time, but that weekend it was like, like the data would go, and then it would just stop, and then it would go, and it would stop, and you could actually kind of hear that. Uh, in the in the audio there, so it was quite a challenging weekend. I almost scrapped the uh, the segment, but uh, I mean, it just goes to show you everything doesn't always go as you expect it to. But I had a good time trying anyway, and uh, the few contacts I got, I had a great time. Yeah, but well, I'll be back next year for it for sure. Yeah, well, you know, I, I guess <laughs> it just wasn't wasn't your year to win.
It wasn't meant to be. So I'll, I'll have to get mine the old-fashioned way and pay for it. Yep. Well, you've got a um, an email here from one of our friends. Why don't you tell us what you I got do. there? Uh, I've got one from uh, PA3RW, or I think it's pronounced Rude, Rud, R-U-U-D. Uh, anyway, he says, hi, Tommy, I'm a big... A very big fan of your program, Amateur Logic, with George and Peter, and I'm a Linux and Mac fan as well, like you. I did find out after a bit of browsing on the web about the Linux distro Shackbox. It's an Ubuntu-based distro, especially for hams. Since I did have an old Windows-based notebook, uh, which was not in use because of Windows, that's funny, uh, I thought I'd give it a try and uh, launch Slackbox on it. It uh, turned out to be really good stuff. I'm not sure if it'll work on my Raspberry Pi 3B, but he's going to try it later. Uh, maybe you can try it and, and share it on the program. Uh, you can find it at Slack. I'm sorry, Shackbox.net. I think I said Slackbox, but <laughs> yeah, it's actually Shackbox. Uh, it's a free download. Uh, keep keep up the good job with Amateur Logic. Uh, Rude uh, PA3RW. Uh, anyway, it's uh, yeah, that's an interesting looking uh, distro, and and I've got an old laptop that was my wife's, and I may actually do that in an upcoming segment. I did a Linux segment uh, uh, quite a few years back, uh, but this looks pretty interesting, and I think I might try to do something with it and share it a little bit later on. Yeah, that does sound like um, like like it could be interesting. You know, I I've, I've got an old computer. I should give it a shot too. Yeah, you should. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I've got, um, well, it's not really an email. It is a graphic here done by our friend Chip K9MIT, who's over in the chat room right now, and he wanted to wish oh, cool. us a happy anniversary, ALTV, 11 years. And he's wishing it to George, Tommy, Jim, Peter, and Emil. Nice. Thanks for that, Chip. You know, he's a a big supporter of the program, and uh, he's always in the chat room over there creating a ruckus or one thing or another. And uh, we we appreciate all his efforts. And he gives us some pretty good tips. You know, some of the segments that uh, we've done in the past have, you know, actually come from... uh, from some ideas that Chip had. so uh, Yeah, yeah, he's been a great friend of the show. Appreciate that hard work, Chip. Yeah. Well, email, why don't you set up your... Uh, it's not poop, you said. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it it's is, what? It, it is not poop, George. No, it's... Uh, it's uh, Again, <laughs> I, I started going down the network roads a um, couple of uh, episodes ago, and I'm continuing down those paths. So we all know a little bit about Packet radio and i just wanted to show there's two things in this segment one is um packet radio itself using a sound modem instead of the traditional tnc that's and then the second one is extending that over an ethernet which is the hence the reason for the poop or packet over a packet over a packet you'll see okay let's watch it hi everybody for this segment i wanted to show everybody how i extended my uh uz7ho sound modem over my uh, local area network here at the house. The developer of UZ7HO sound modem is Andrei Kopuchuk. Hope I said that right. Out of uh, the Ukraine. So, quite a good software. In a traditional TNC packet radio station, you have three pieces. The 
computer or dump terminal, the TNC itself, and then the radio with all of the uh, physical wires. The software then modulates the um, audio frequency at different speeds. Uh, most common one in this case is going to be the uh, 1200 baud packet. With this setup, the TNC itself and some of the wires as well are virtual and um, is a software on the computer. As you can see here, I've reduced my setup at the TNC side uh, to three devices. Basically the computer, the radio, and the antenna. And then I extended that over my network or uh, local area network um, from the shack to the house. I also did the same at the uh, W5SLA clubhouse uh, on their packet station. So it does work across multiple models of uh, radio and combinations. I've gotten this uh, sound modem to work with his own terminal as well as others, including uh, the Winlink Express uh, software and AGW terminal, Exaster APRS, and others as well. Once you have this system set up in place, there's very functional softwares and systems out there to use over packet radio, so lots of functionality available. Whether it's MCOM or messaging or situational awareness, it's very functional combinations, again, of software um, available once you uh, have this up and running. Here's a page of uh, most of the references, and now I'll show you uh, what I've done here over the LAN, all the way from this station here to out, out to the uh, radio or the TNC in the shack extended. Well, here is the digital station, remote station that I've set up <clears throat> to really test the UZ7HO sound modem out to its fullest. And as you can see here on a laptop, I have on the right hand side the Easy Term software by UZ7HO, and on the left, RMS Express, latest version there. And then on top of that is the Raspberry Pi uh, display via VNC running uh, DRATS for DSTAR. Um, there's the Pi there. So it's uh, extended remote, so I don't have to be in the shack for this to work. It's over my uh, WLAN within the house that uh, I'm accessing that TNC software out by the radio. So one thing worth mentioning as well about the DSTAR software, especially in re reference to this sound modem, um, since the sound modem emulates the AGWPE interface over TCPIP, uh, DRATS itself, the program, will run over a TNC as well. Um, right now it's set up for DSTAR and also I can, you know, hit the rig over RF Direct. But right now it's hitting all the uh, rat flectors over the internet. But it is good to note that it is capable of using a TNC uh, or AGWPE interface. So I can also port that over my rig, over my LAN network. Very useful um, software, this uh, UZ7HO and all the other things that work with it. So, 73. The hints packet over packet over packet. Uh, this is the internet connection that enters the uh, house to a uh, gigabit LAN switch here, which then in turn uh, distributes it throughout the house. And I have the PoE or Power Over Ethernet injector for the actual ubiquity seen in earlier episodes sending it out to the shack. I have the bridge mode 
uh, WAP, the ubiquity WAPs. That's the uh, remote end on the shack side of the world. So in the shack, I'm also in the shack side. I'm also running the PoE injector down through to inbridge mode to another uh, switch, basically, or acting as a switch, or router I had sitting around. And on the PC itself is the actual UZ7HO sound modem software, newest version there, um, which does both. Uh, KISS TNC and the AGWPE um, at the same time so that's why in the, the house side I could have both RMS Express and also the um, uh, terminal uh, hooked to it at the same time because they use different TCP IP ports uh, over the LAN so a very functional software this has probably been running uh, up for several weeks now without troubles. It's all 64-bit windows and uh, of course then ultimately that heads out to the radio here via local packet frequencies and if you notice I'm only running 5 watts on that rig because there's a local uh, uh, digipeter here it's very has very good range and lots of services uh, that are aware of it so Good stuff from uh, UZ7HO, for sure. It just works, and you can extend it over your uh, networks within your house, or even if you have uh, something that can send it out further, like the ubiquities, you can do that as well. So, 73s, KE5, QKR, cheap old man. Emil, that looked pretty nice and cheap, too. It was definitely cheap. Maybe not some of the rigs or the uh, pieces in between or on the endpoints, but the uh, softwares themselves are cheap, free, and they just work. I mean, that, that sound modem, I've used the AGWPE um, items, and it's fun setting them up. Uh, this one is very easy to use right on the go. And, and like you said, it's the right price. Yep, <laughs> the right price. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to be back in just a moment. First, we're going to get a message from ICOM. You know, they help make Amateur Logic possible, and they're certainly going to help make this giveaway possible here in just a few moments. So don't go away. Um, when we come back, I'm going to show you my latest Arduino project. Attention all hams. Time to hit the airwaves. Contest season is here. Grab your ICOM equipment and make as many contacts as you can this season. Good luck and let the competition begin. The real fun starts here with the revolutionary IC7300. This innovative HF transceiver has a compact design and high performance. It's perfect for contesters on the go. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. Push performance to the pinnacle with the IC7600. Following in the footsteps of ICOM's flagship radio, the IC7600 features intuitive operation and the latest DSP technologies. Digital IF filter, dual DSP, 5.8-inch ultra-wide TFT display, and high-resolution real-time spectrum scope. 
Contesters, raise the bar with the IC7851. Hear what others cannot with this HF 50 MHz transceiver. Reciprocal mixing dynamic range, crystal clear local oscillator design, real-time spectrum scope, dual receivers, digital voice recorder, and more. Hit the airwaves this contest season and visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all of ICOM's great radios. You know, I, I mentioned Arduino. That's that's one of my favorite things. I mean, the Raspberry Pi is nice, too. Now, I, I enjoy it, but uh, something about the Arduino just uh, really catches my fancy. I guess it's because it's um, it's a little more basic. It's, it's sort of like building stuff, except you can do it all in software. And so tonight, we're going to show you my little Arduino push-button radio. I hope you enjoy it. This year at the Huntsville Ham Fest, I bought several little kits to use with my Arduinos. This one is a TEA 5767 FM receiver module on a little chip and circuit board here, mounted to another circuit board for use with an Arduino. This contains a little audio amplifier and several other pieces on it. It's two connectors. One is for an FM antenna and it comes with a little telescopic antenna included. And then another jack that's got uh, audio output on it. I believe it's about two and a half watts of audio out there. I just happen to have a need for a six push-button radio so that I can quickly switch between any of six stations I'm interested in monitoring and check on their status. And I thought this might be a fun little project to build that for. Here's what I came up with. An Arduino Uno as a microcontroller, the TEA5767 FM receiver board, a row of six push buttons here to be used as memory presets, and two more push buttons here to be used to increment or decrement the frequency. There's also a row of 10K ohm resistors up here tied to plus 5 volts to hold these inputs high Let's take a look at the schematic. Pin 1 of the TEA5767 module connects to plus 5 volts. Pin 2 of the module connects to Arduino analog input A3. Pin 3 connects to analog input A5. And Pin 4 connects to ground. Up on the digital inputs of the Arduino, pin number 2 connects to our first push button and then pins 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9 also have push buttons connected to them. The other side of our push buttons are connected to ground. Each of these inputs has a 10K ohm pull-up resistor connected to plus 5 volts. Whenever you press a button, it takes the voltage on the input of the Arduino from high to low. And that's how we'll trigger which memory preset we want to go to, or shift through the different frequencies of the receiver chip. Now, there's no display with this project. You could include one. However, I didn't at this point. Let's take a look at the source code now. At the top, we've just got a comment, and then we've got some uh, includes and variables that need to be declared. Right below that is the setup function, and below that is the main loop of the program. And then down here near the bottom are some subroutines that are called by the main loop.
So back up to the top, we're including the wire library, which is used for input and output connections with the Arduino. Then we're using the EEPROM library. This is going to allow us to write frequencies to memory addresses so we can recall them later. Then we're going to set up eight of the pins on the Arduino to be used for buttons for input. We're going to set up six presets here for six of the buttons. We're going to declare a variable for frequency of type double. We're going to declare an integer that we'll just call count that'll be used later to count how long we're holding a button down. Then we're going to declare a boolean value, which will have to be true or false, called lockout. And this will be true whenever a button's being held down. Then an integer named locked button number. This will tell us which button is being held down. Then we'll create a structure called EEPROM object that will hold six doubles in it. We'll name presets. Then we'll create one more integer variable here called EE address, and that will represent the beginning address in the EEPROM storage. Now let's take a look at the setup function. This code will execute whenever the Arduino is started. It's basically going to set up the state of the machine. The first thing we've got here is a for statement that just sets up the eight pins we're connecting our buttons to to be inputs using the pin mode command. Then we've got another for loop that sets up six addresses within the EEPROM, and we're going to call them presets. Then we begin the wire library, and we'll read from EE address plus 25, which is, if you remember, EE address is zero. So we'll read from address number 25, and that will be the frequency that was stored the last time the radio was tuned. Then we'll call our set frequency function, which is below, to set the frequency. And then we're going to begin our serial terminal at 9600 baud. Then we can look on a terminal, if we happen to be connected serially, to see the various commands and states of the program as it runs. That's not necessary. It's mostly used for debugging in this case. Before we get into the main loop portion of the program, let's take a look below now at the subroutines. We've got one here called Set Frequency. It returns nothing. That's why it says void there. And we're passing in a parameter, which is a floating point variable, named Frequency. So when we call Set Frequency, we'll specify a frequency that we want to set it to. Then this code right here goes through and sets up the variables and calls the wire library to transmit that data over to our radio module. Below that, we've got a mute function here. If we call this function, it sets up everything to send a command to our radio module that tells it to mute the audio. Similarly, we've got one called unmute that unmutes the audio. And then here are our two EEPROM routines. This first one here will write a value, whichever value we pass in as a double number value, to address ADDR here. 
we convert our number to a byte, and then we write it in using a for loop, one byte at a time, into EEPROM address, whatever address we passed. The EEPROM read double subroutine does write the opposite. We pass an address to it, then it'll read the value that's located at that address and return it to us as a double. Now, back up to the main loop of the program. This is where the program spends all its time, constantly going from top to bottom and then repeating. The first thing we're doing is we've got a for statement here that goes through and checks each of our eight buttons. It does a digital read on each button pin. If it's low, that means that the button is being pressed. If that button happens to be low, then we're going to a switch statement. Depending on which time through the for loop this is, which is indicated by I, we're going to go to the case statements. If it happens to be button number 6, we execute this code. If it's button 7, then it's this code. If it's neither 6 nor 7, then we go to default here and execute this code. If it happens to be button 6 that's being held down, the first thing we're going to do is print out to our serial terminal a plus just to indicate that the increase frequency button is being pressed. If the frequency is less than 107.7, which is the maximum frequency you could have for an FM station, then we're going to say the frequency is equal to the frequency plus 0.2 megahertz. We're going to increase the frequency by 0.2 megahertz each time that button is pressed. If it happened to be button 7 that was pressed, then we're going to print to the serial terminal a minus if the frequency happens to be greater than 88.1 MHz, which is the lowest allowed FM frequency, then we're going to set frequency to be equal frequency minus 0.2. Now, if neither button 6 nor 7 is held down, but it's another button, we'll come to this default block here. We'll set count to equal 0, and then we've got a do here. And what we're going to do inside this loop first is wait 250 milliseconds. Then we're going to increment the count variable by 1. And if count is greater than 3, that means that the button has been held down long enough. So we're going to program a preset. We'll choose the preset for whichever button was held down. And we're going to put the frequency into that preset. After we've done that, we'll write it to the EEPROM memory at the address, which was zero, as we saw in the declaration statement, plus the number of the button times four. And we'll write the frequency there. Then we're going to set lockout equals true. That means ignore that the button is down temporarily. And then we're going to say locked out button number is equal to the number of the button. Now this do statement is a do while loop. That means while we're doing a digital read of the button pin, 
whichever number of button it was, equals low. This dupe is going to execute the whole time that the button pin that we're looking at is equal to low. Now, after that, we've got a check to see if lockout equals true. Then we're going to set lockout to equal false. That means we reset our program preset indicator. Then we're going to mute the radio. This is a way that the user will know that a preset is being set. Just a little feedback for them. And then we're going to print to the serial terminal in case there's one connected. Preset plus string I, which just means that we're going to print whatever number of button it was, and we convert it to a string so we can print it. And we're going to add to that equals. On the next line down here, we're going to print out whatever preset I is. You remember we set preset I to equal the frequency up here. So we're just going to print out preset whatever button number it is equals whatever the frequency is. Then we're going to pause for one second. After that, we set frequency will equal whatever preset number we were just dealing with. Below that, we're going to print frequency to the serial terminal. And then we're going to call the set frequency function using frequency as a variable. And that's this subroutine right down here. Then we'll delay 250 milliseconds. And then we'll write the value of frequency to EEPROM address, which is zero. We'll add 25 to that. So what we're writing right here is the last frequency the radio was tuned to. That way, if the radio is turned off, when we turn it back on, it will know what frequency that we left off with. And as we showed you earlier, here are the subroutines below that are being called from the main loop. Now let's take a look at it in actual operation. So here are our buttons. These are our presets. They're kind of laid out backwards for wiring convenience. This is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. And here's our increment and decrement buttons for the frequency right here. Let's try out our presets first. I've already got some programmed in here. If we try button number one. Button two, 101.7. Button three, 102.9. Four. Five, 105.9. And then finally, button number six, 106.7. So we've got all of these programmed. Now, now let's go to one of the presets here and change it to something else. We can increment the frequency or decrement it. Let's go up till we find another station. There's one right there. Now, if we want to reprogram this button, we just hold it down. And you heard the radio mute for about a second there. That one should be programmed. So now if we move around, come back to this one, it comes to our new frequency. 
So there you go, the little TEA 5767 module connected to an Arduino Uno and acting as a six push button radio. Doesn't have a display on it, we can add that to it. Perhaps I will at a later date, but for right now, I just needed six buttons I could monitor six stations with. Yeah, that's pretty well, George, cool. It is cool, George. Uh, <clears throat> just out of interest, are you able to push the frequencies out of band? Will it go up to, say, two meters, the two-meter band? No. No, there's a, a setting on there uh, for whether or not you're going to be in the uh, uh, U.S. FM band or I think maybe the Japanese FM band, which is a little different. But, uh, no, I, I couldn't pick up anything really out of band with it. Uh, but it's a nice little radio. There are some newer chips available. Uh, I don't know that there's any uh, really set up on Arduino modules. Uh, this one did not give me a way to adjust the volume, which I would have liked to have had. Um, some of the newer chips do that. Uh, it did have some scan functions built into it, but I didn't play with those because I really I wasn't interested in that. There's a number of different libraries out there you can get to work with that particular module. Uh, I didn't use any of those. If you notice, I, I just, uh, right at the bottom, I had some subroutines that called the uh, few functions I needed to of the little module. So I could get all of my code in, you know, one little window there instead of having uh, external libraries. Uh, you saw there where you could uh, download the, the little drawing schematic and the sketch if you want to play with it yourself. I think I paid like 8 bucks for that from Nightfire Electronics at Huntsville. Uh, you can find that same module online, uh, probably a little cheaper if you want to order it direct from China. But uh, you, you, you done good, George. You done good. <laughs> no, thank you, email. Well, it, the price was right. Its price was right. Yeah, absolutely. They need to put that in a big, nice wooden case, kind of like that old case Peter had on his segment. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm going to have to come up with a volume control, though, because... <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you can make one out of that. I saw you make one out of a pill bottle one time. True, yeah, yeah, I could do that. What you could do is actually build a tube amplifier for the um, for the sound and then just use that as the amplification with a tuning knob <laughs> for the amplifier. Well, and yeah. the imperfection. Yeah, you could. But <laughs> yes. it's it's not AM, Peter. It's just FM. I wish it had AM on it, too. Mm -hmm. All right. Anyway. You need to make your AM DSP to put on it. <laughs> Degrade the sound. <laughs> okay. Well, we've got uh, a couple more uh, emails or uh, Facebook and Google Plus comments here. And we're going to be giving away this radio package here and uh, just very, very shortly, so don't go away. Email, your name is up next. What uh, do you have that you want to tell us about there? Uh, I have another Google Plus um, post on the community from uh, KC9TWX, Travis Taylor. Um, he recently, uh, I think it was the Labor Day um, holiday weekend, went over to... Uh, Across the state line to Wisconsin from where he is, um, and brought his sons over to the HRO store that's up there. I don't know if it's a new one or not. He also said he stopped into a military museum, Russell Military Museum, um, as well in another state. So um, 
that got me thinking. Um, you know, retail-wise, outlets, it must be really good living at least close to one of those um, stores. He, he did mention that he brought his kids, and the kid went straight for the uh, $14,000 ICOM radio, so he must be a smart kid. It's <laughs> not cheap old man compliant. No, no, not cheap old man, but compliant, but I would do the same exact thing. So um, it's like a kid in a candy store. So uh, yep. anyway, you know, the retail outlets, I guess, are getting far and few between from my perspective. There's nothing I know I can go to readily in my area like that. So that must be a nice thing to have. Yeah. yeah you know, there's an HRO uh, maybe 10 miles from here. And I've been coming out here every week for almost two years, actually a little over two years, and I've yet to make it out there to it, although it hasn't been open two years. But anyway, I haven't made it to it yet. They close about time I get off work, and then I'm usually gone on the weekend. Yeah. I think that one that uh, he was mentioning there, Emil, in uh, Wisconsin was originally an AES store. Mm-hmm. And, you know, AES... Uh, uh, sold out to HRO, and I think that's the only store maybe they they kept open was that one. Oh, they closed the Vegas one. You think? Uh, yeah, I think they did. I believe mm-hmm. they did. Well, he's got some. Yeah, he's got some pictures on his Google on our uh, Google Plus community. So if you uh, hang around there, go take a look. It's nice stuff. Yeah, Peter, you've got uh, one more comment here, don't you? Yes, it's a very very brief one. Greg uh, on on Facebook sent us an image of uh, unbelievable Cajun mm-hmm. squirrel chips. Uh, That's just not have right. Have you tried those, Tommy? No, I haven't, and I and I won't be trying it. I hear squirrels high in cholesterol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Actually, I think uh, maybe those were a product of the UK. Really? Yeah. Oh. My goodness, where do they get their Cajun squirrels from then? You know, that's a good question. What about it, Emil? Imported. Have you you had Cajun squirrel chips? I have not had Cajun squirrel chips, and I'm I'm a little scared at just the sound of that. If you think (laughs) of some cow chips, what is it? Yep. (laughs) Yep. True. (laughs) Do they use real Cajun squirrel flavoring? Uh, from real Cajun squirrels, because that's where the, I'm guessing all the Cajun squirrels are down here, right, guys? That's yeah, what I'm well, thinking. The only place I would think you could find them. Yep. <laughs> could be artificial Cajun squirrel flavoring, Peter. <laughs> yeah, but how, do you, how would you tell? I guess you'd have to find, have somebody that tried the real ones before. Uh, like mm. Tommy said, it's it's spicy and it's going to have very high cholesterol content, yes. That kind not, of nut- not the good I, kind, I, either. A nutty flavor. I just wonder whether, I wonder whether the fur gets caught in your teeth, though. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, um, that's yeah. not, that's no. not good. Not, not, not good. Well, we're going to give away this radio. We're going to play one thing for you while we get set up for that, so uh, don't go away. Somebody's about to be really happy. At the end of each month, it's Amateurologics Ham College, the new show for those new to the hobby and those wanting to get into amateur radio. Which of the following is a purpose of the amateur radio service as stated in the FCC rules and regulations? That inductor and capacitor form a tuned circuit. That's how you tune the radio to the frequency that you want. The English language. We lived in town. I liked it. I, I listened to mine a lot. It was really cool because you didn't have to have a battery to power yeah. There's our homemade telegraph station. 
We can use it for long distance communications. Oh, like, uh, what, three feet yeah, here? across the table? The answer is B. Voltage was named after Italian physicist Alessandro Volta. We can see we're generating a little bit of electricity there. It's DC. It's always great to go back and get a refresher. It well, sure is. A lot of that stuff, if you've been a ham for a while like we have, you, you don't really think about a lot of that stuff that often. They didn't have electric screwdrivers in those days, so that's why we're not using ones. That's why we went stores. primitive with it. Yeah. So let's see if we can hear anything when we, uh, we fire off our spark gap transmitter. Well, we didn't build anything or blow up anything today, but... Uh, the night's still young. And you know my eyebrows are just now starting to come back from that spark gap transmitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good while back, too. Yeah. We still got a little current left in that battery, though, so when, you, when you're back, <laughs> we can make the other one match. <laughs> well, Tommy, I just told you a moment ago to check your email, and I bet you didn't get the message. I bet you I did get it. Oh, did you? I sure did. Well, I, I think uh, we we have a winner here. Okay. Bef you want me to go ahead and announce it? Well, let's... You want to leave him in suspense? Suspense. I, I just looked through the chat room, and he is not in the chat room. Yeah, so I, checked, I checked as well. Somebody may be, uh, may be giving him a call if they know him, but, uh, well... Yep. This is one lucky ham. We just drew it, random drawing of all the entries that we received. And, uh, you know, we wish we had one of these uh, radio packages to, to give to everyone that watches the show. But we only get one a year. And, uh, boy, what a nice one this year. So, uh, email, do you have any cheap sound effects for us? I don't. I, <laughs> no, I'm too cheap to buy anything like that. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Tommy, without further ado. Okay. Who so is the our winner? winner? The winner this year of the 7300 package is going to be Joseph Ryan Jr., N3NAI of Cape Coral, Florida. N3NAI, Joseph Ryan Jr. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations, Joseph. Uh, We'll be getting in contact with you. Well, hopefully by the time uh, you see this show, since you weren't watching live, you'll know that you won. And, uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's in Cape Coral. I'll be going down there for Christmas, or for Thanksgiving with my mother. Maybe I need to go by and help him talk on it. Maybe so. Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe you could just put it in your luggage and take it down with you. Just drop it off. I'll be driving. Yeah, he probably didn't want to wait that long for it, though. Probably, probably so, uh, not. I, I don't blame him. Well... Uh, Joseph, you're really going to like this IC7300. This is one of the exact radios that um, we used at Field Day this year. Thoroughly enjoyed operating it, and uh, everyone seems to be in love with this little radio here. So uh, we think you will be, too. Uh, we're going to give you also the 30-amp MFJ switching power supply, the 40-meter off-center fed dipole, and 100 feet of RG8X from MFJ, along with what, Tommy? Our private stash of gold PL259s for your wearing enjoyment. Yeah, not not recommended for uh, uh, frequencies above 2,000 hertz. So, um, 
Yeah, but but a great conversation piece. Well, oh, yeah, we had had to throw those in. Yep. Well, congratulations. Ah, oh, let's see what they say in the chat room. W0JW John said he is past president of the Fort Myers Amateur Radio Club. Wow. Oh, cool. Yeah, time to get extra now. Yeah. Yeah, you that's, sh- pretty, that's pretty wild that uh, that's where he lives. Like I said, I'll be going down there at uh, Thanksgiving. Well, you know, I used to live in Fort Myers, so, uh, uh-huh. yeah. I wasn't a ham then, but um, anyway, we don't know Joseph, but we know that he's going to be happy. Oh, yeah, you're, you're going to enjoy it, Joseph. Uh, yeah. Congratulations again. And thanks to the sponsors, uh, oh, yeah. ICOM America and MFJ Enterprises for providing those uh, prizes for us. Without those guys, it wouldn't be possible. Yeah, the table's going to look kind of empty here next month, Tommy. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to get the sign back out. I think so. I think so. Well, um, we appreciate everyone who watches the show and uh, has kept us going for these 11 years. It's 11 years. 11 years. Uh, We hope to do 11 more. And after that, maybe twelve. Yeah, all the way to the hundredth hundredth anniversary episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You when, know when I'm going to sing? Yep. This is episode ninety six, so we don't have long for Tommy to learn the theme song. He's going to sing it on the hundredth episode. I've got the words. You do, but I can't. Uh, I can't quite put it to that beat. We'll change the beat if you think. <laughs> What if we get Rock and Ray to come do it? Well, yeah. yeah. You know, I think we'll get Rock and Ray to do it. He's the only one with crooning experience that I'm aware of. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thanks, everyone. We really enjoy uh, all you guys uh, do to encourage us to keep going with this. And uh, we'll keep going as long as you want to keep watching. Yeah, you keep watching. We'll keep making them. Yep. However, for tonight, we're—I think it's about uh, supper time. I'll, I'll second that. Yeah. So uh, we're going to get on out. Um, again, thanks. I'll join us again uh, next month around the fifteenth. Uh, join us at the end of the month for another Ham College, and uh, you know, uh, I can't say thank you enough for uh, uh, just supporting Amateur Logic. And being here. Oh, I do want to mention a couple of things before we go. You know, Emil is our fashion model here tonight. He's wearing the colors there. It's the Amateur Logic t-shirt and the blue model. You know, I like the blue ones myself. Mm-hmm. You can get these in a, a standard uh, cheap old man t-shirt or you can get them in a polo shirt <laughs> or you can get them as a uh, as Peter has over there, you can get a sweatshirt. Yep. And we've also got Ham College sweatshirts. Oh, yeah, we and do. And t-shirts. We do. So if you want to get one of those, well, there's only one place that uh, you can go that we know about it. And that's the Amateur Logic Swag Shop. And what is that, Tommy? AmateurLogic.SpreadShirt.com uh, Go there. Pick you up some swag and be the best-dressed ham at the next Ham Fest. Before we go, Tommy, is there any uh, final thoughts you want to leave the audience with tonight? 
Nope. Uh, congratulations again to uh, Joseph, and I uh, hope you enjoy the prize, and thanks for everybody that entered, and uh, keep watching, and we'll keep making the shows like we said earlier. Yep. Uh, Peter, any uh, any final things from down under? Yeah, just uh, congrats to Joe, and uh, 73's to everybody, and uh, keep watching. Yep. And uh, email, anything cheap. Uh, yeah, you know, besides cheap, uh, the shirts on, on your uh, shirt uh, swag shop, um, it's good to know that there's also uh, sizes for the larger-than-life hams as well. So did we guess the right size? You guessed it. You nailed it. Okay. You got it. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, and uh, congrats to Joe, and uh, enjoy that rig. Oh, yeah. Yep, Joe. Hope you enjoy it. Well, thanks for being here, everyone. We'll see you again next month at the same time. 1st one that I want to mention here is is this the one I want to mention? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs>